Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to slow down. We've been, we've been, what, tackling six or eight verses a time. We're going to slow down now, probably over the next two months, and we're going to look at each one of the fruits of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience. Every Sunday we're going to dig into one of these. And part of the reason that is that sometimes we have a lack of understanding of what the Scripture actually means by these words, a story to illustrate. Several years ago, I got a telephone call from an, an elder in the Presbyterian Church, and he said, Rusty, I just want to tell you about this amazing revival of love I've had. I, I actually understand for the first time how incredible God's love is for me. I said, fantastic, tell me about it. Told me more about it, and he closed with this. He said, the guys that are teaching me more about God's love, he was like, they took me on a retreat this weekend Oh, how they cuss like sailors. And what he was saying was, I'm understanding God's love in the sense of it's given me permission to live how I want, and that's Christian freedom. There's a lot of misunderstanding when we start talking about the attributes of God. And so we want to start this morning with the Lord's love. Now, I'm taking a lot of thoughts from Jonathan Edwards, John Bunyan, and a guy named Dan Allender. So, just throw that out there. So, if you would, read with me from Galatians chapter 5. And let's start at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Please pray with me once more. Father, I thank you so much that you tell us that when we become Christians, you poured your love into our hearts. And then you also, Paul prays for the church to grow in its knowledge of the height, the depth, the width, the length of your love. And I pray today two things, Father, that you would grow us, each of us, in our knowledge, relational, intimate knowledge of the love of Christ for us. And secondly, Lord, that you would be glorified during this time as we see and understand that more, we would respond with worship and adoration. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there, there are great challenges, aren't there? Living in our world, trying to, to love just normal, sinful, broken people. Right? You might be married to one. I know, I know my wife is. And they're real... Are you awake? There are challenges, right, with, with relationships, with people. Things that we, 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 we struggle with. In relationships with people that, that rarely think about their sin and how it affects our lives. And so we, we really don't know how to have often in spirit-powered freedom to love them. 
Let me tell you a story about a, a gal named Susan. When, whenever Susan heard her phone ring, she knew exactly who it was. It was always Carol on the, on the other end. Carol had had a rough go for several years, and she always needed to talk to someone. The problem is all the other someones had quit taking her call over those 10-year year period, and it was just Carol. She was the someone, or, or Susan was the someone who was left. Slowly, though, she found that they would talk and she would listen to her problems and she found that she began to be more resenting resenting those conversations. She found that there was anger building inside of her heart. And this is how she said it. Every time that we get coffee together, it's always Carol's problems. Always her difficulties. She's utterly self-centered. And when I do give her advice, Rusty, she, she never listens. I'm exhausted with Carol. But then she closes with, well, but love is patient, love is kind, and love covers over a multitude of sins. I guess I'll call her back. You know, often Christians can feel abused. We can feel used by others. And in the end, we feel like a failure because Susan's called ten times. She's come by the house times again, and I'm just hiding in the bathroom, hoping she'll go away. Now, Galatians 5, the first fruit of the Spirit is, is love. It means the Spirit of God is a spirit of love that enters our life. When he enters, so love, the love of the Father enters our life. That means love towards him afresh and now an ability to love other people. The greatest sign that you are a Christian, that your faith is genuine, is that there is a new love, affection for the Father that wasn't there before and a new love for his people that wasn't there either. And without that, we can actually have no confidence that our faith is genuine. Now, in saying that, we all have daily challenges, don't we? Loving, sinful, hard people like Carol. How do we do that? Well, here's our main idea today. True love is always from the Spirit enabling the heart. We don't just pull up our bootstraps and say, I'm going to get it done I'm going to love Carol. No, no, no. It's a work of the Spirit enabling your heart. So let's start with this. Here's point one. The love of God explained. The love of God explained. If you're taking notes, that's the first thing. Now, culture has an understanding of love, don't they? That's very different than the Bible's understanding. Culture says something like this. You... When I say love, the world says what, what we really mean is a strong feeling towards another for the sake of my own happiness. What's often meant is a strong feeling towards another for the sake of my own happiness. So that when you stop feeling it, the love stops as well. When I lose those feelings for another that make me happy, so my love finishes it as well. And at the heart of what the world calls love really is often self-centeredness. So three things that the culture identifies as love. 
First is this. They love the things that please us. So what we love today, we hate tomorrow. Depending on does it still please us tomorrow. Brad loved Angelina today. The next day he had no time for her, right? Secondly, the world's love decays. It gets weaker over time. Often we, we love something too much in the beginning and then too little at the end as it fades over time. The world's love. Third is we love the wrong things. The world often loves the very things that will inflict the most pain upon their life. So love in man is weak, it's broken, it's misdirected often. It's different than biblical love. Okay? Now here's what I mean by biblical love. Let me just read you two texts. 1 John 4.16 says this, God is love. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness. Those two have to be taken together. Okay, what do you mean? Well, when you understand light, what you understand is God's holiness and purity. There is no darkness within him, which means there is no unrighteousness in God. So first and foremost, God is light, which means that his character is morally pure. There is nothing unrighteous within him. Now, with that being said, we have to fit his love into that. Now we say God is love. It means this. A commitment to do what is righteous and is pure. His love is always in line with his light and his righteousness. So for his children, if you're a believer, John says God is love to you, which means he has committed to show you the light of his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Does that make sense? Truly, his love is part of his glory, is part of his light, and it resonates with his righteousness. If the Father is righteous in everything he does, he is light, then the love of the Father is light as well. It's full of righteousness. And for the believer, it is his commitment as a father to his children to do what is good for your life. Let me tell you a story. In a small town up north, there, there was an incredible example of sacrificial love. Two brothers one day, young boys, decided to go play on the sandbanks beside the river and in this particular river, they, they would dredge it. Have you ever seen those giant dredges? And they would get these giant piles of sand, and they would dump them on the side of the river. And these mounds of sand would be there. But the problem was they were incredibly dangerous because all the water would flow out, and it would make a cavern within the sand pile, but there would still be an artificial roof, you might say. The boys didn't return home one evening. And so they formed a search party, and they went out looking, and the first place they went were to the sand dunes. And the rescuers, when they got to the top, they just saw the youngest brother there with sand up to his neck, about right there. They dug and dug and dug, and suddenly he resuscitated. <gasps> he gained a breath of air. And they looked at him, and they said, son, where is your brother? He breathed for a second, and he said, I'm standing on his shoulders. 
Now, with the sacrifice of his own life, the older brother had lifted the younger brother to safety. Older brother was committed to the younger brother's good at his own expense. That's biblical love. Now, this is the nature of God's love towards you if you're a believer. For God to love the world is to show you his goodness. Now, here's how that works. In the fall of man, there are two great losses. You lost relationship with God as a child. That was lost, wiped away. But also, you lost the likeness of God towards a child, towards his father. You might say sin and brokenness brought a double loss that devastated our world and your life. God's solution was to reveal the greatness of his love, his commitment to your good by restoring you what was lost in his son, to forgive you, to wash you, all in line with his light and his righteousness. So he was committed to your best good, and at the same time, he's also committed to showing his righteousness. How does he do that? That's point two. Point two. The love of God revealed in the Son. In the Son. Let me just read to you Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, the love of the Father is a strange love, isn't it? That he died to save people that the Bible describes as sinful, which means against his will, rebellious, and the Bible even calls us his enemies. And to love people meant a commitment to do what is best for them. So what did he do? He sent his eternal son as a substitute to take our punishment. This is how he showed his love for us and to reconcile us to him. Notice those words though. While we were still sinners. He doesn't love you because you are beautiful to him. He loves us to show his beauty and make us beautiful again in his sight. I want you to catch that. He didn't love you because he looked down and said, man, look at Chris. He's a beautiful dude. He's pretty awesome. He loved you to show you his beauty and then to make you beautiful in his sight by making you righteous and holy, making you like him. The cross is all about showing his character, his greatness, and revealing the glory of his love to people who don't deserve it. He pitched his love on us before we had anything lovely in us. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, Rusty, doesn't God say again and again that he does all things for his own glory? So his loving us is really about him? How can he say he loves us when it's really about him? Let me read you Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory. Listen. God's in and all things, everything he does is to reveal his own glory. 
but his glory is not opposed to your good. Please hear that. His glory, when God says that I will show my glory and I will be about my glory in everything I do, that is not an opposition to what is good for you. It is actually a promise of what is good for you. Okay, how is that a promise? Because when God says, I am committed to show my glory, his light, what's part of that light? It's his love. And so when he says, I am committed to my glory, he's saying my love being on display. Guess who receives that? You do. Through the work in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what I'm saying is, when you see in the scripture that God says, I do all things for my glory, you should say, hallelujah, amen, because you get the effect of it. You receive the goodness of it. It's two sides of a, one, of, of a coin. On one side, God glorifies himself. On the other side, you get all the effects of that, which is the greatness of his love, which is why Christ came and died on the cross. Does that make sense? So they're, they're one and the same. They're not opposed to each other like so often people think. Let, let me illustrate this. Let's just say Jennifer and I are going to get married. We're already married, no worries, but let's just say we were. And I said, honey, I want to show you how much I love you. I've gotten something for you. It's real special. This will show the glory of my love. She unwraps it. She opens it up. And there's a plastic ring from Dollar General. And I say, I just picked it up on the way over here. Isn't it awesome? Put it on. I bet you want to show that to your friends, don't you? You've got an awesome husband. No, she would think, I have a husband that doesn't love me at all, and he's cheap. Okay? I give her a ring. She opens up, and she says, it's beautiful. And I say, yeah, the band was my great-grandmother's, and it's been in my family for generations, and I had it set apart for you. In the stone, I worked nights. She didn't know it, but while I was in graduate school, I worked nights at UPS and saved up enough money to buy that for you. I want to show you how much I love you. What was she going to think? My husband really loves me. He really cares for me. He's actually not cheap. He's great. He's considerate. He's romantic. Notice. At the same time, I showed her the glory of my love. She experienced love. And I actually glorified myself. Because I revealed who I am. So it is with God. When God glorifies himself, it is love to you because you get the effect. They are one and the same. And the more God is passionate about showing his greatness, the more he is loving you. So the greatest example of that, of course, is the cross. This is the third thing, and we'll, we'll finish here. The expression of love in us by the Holy Spirit. 
So we've gone from what love is, the work of the Son, now the third thing is the expression. Romans 5.5. 5. And God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Stop there. Paul knows every believer has a common experience. If you're a Christian, we share a common experience. God's love has been poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about a little feeling or a a little twitch you have one day. He's talking about a radical, deep, overhauling, transforming experience in your life where the Holy Spirit came upon you. And Paul prays this would grow. The Holy Spirit's been poured into you. Now this needs to grow. Ephesians 3.19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is how he prays for the church. He wants you to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. So the love of Christ is not just something we say, oh yeah, I got it. I got it. I understand it. Rusty, you don't need to say any more. I know it. I know it. Paul says, no, 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 no. It has dimensions. There's something so great about it that you continue to know it your whole life and grow in your knowledge of it. And he prays, I want you to know more and more and more and more of the greatness of the love of God in the person of Christ for you. Now, that's how we judge the Spirit in us. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. So how do we know If we're walking in the Spirit like we talked about two weeks ago, well, how are you doing loving people? Regardless of your words, if you're not taking up your cross, serving those around you, can't be bothered, then it's not the Spirit that's leading you. It's the flesh. So we come back to our original thought. Rusty, how do you love really difficult people? Or I would say, I wake up every morning, my heart is hard. I don't know about yours. Maybe yours is sprouting daisies. Mine is just full of rocks. And I have to go to battle with the Spirit to transform my heart every morning. How do you do that? If you're like me, well, let's close with this thought. I want to just come back to the great commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Got that? With all your soul, yep. And with all your mind. Love God with all your mind. Listen. Love towards God and others has one source. It is the Spirit's work in our life. And the command to us is to love Him with all of our minds, which means to grow in that, your love will grow as reasons for loving God are mentally discovered in the scriptures, thought about, meditated on, studied, expressed to others, and remembered. Let me say it like this. Your love for God and other people will grow as your mind is filled with all the truths of who God is and how much he loves you, everything he's done for you. And so when you have a carol in your life, 
You don't just say, well, love is patient, love is kind, I better just go love her. No, that's not what you do. You say, I've got to love the Lord with all my mind. Which means I'm going to mine out attributes of who he is from the scripture and put them in my mind so that I will know him more and love him more. And as I do that, the Spirit uses that to give me ability to love Carol or my wife or my children or whomever he's put in our paths. That's how we attack a card heart. Amen. Father, I, I just... We want to love you with all of our mind, which means we want to study who you are and what you've done for us in the scriptures. Father, your character, your very being, we want to know you more. And as we do that, the, the, the response is one thing, to love you more, to know you more with our minds is to love you more and then worship more, but that also flows out of ability. It gives us ability to love difficult people. Father, I, I thank you for the Spirit. I thank you it's the Spirit's work of love in our life, and I pray that you give us incredible ability here at First Pres to love those people in our world. Love you with all of our heart, but love our neighbors. Love the person next door who's so challenging. Love my spouse on their best day and their worst day. Love my children when they fail at their sports or their music or whatever. Father, help us to love in a way that honors and reveals the love of the Son for us. A commitment to do what is good for a person. Regardless of how they respond. And we need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.